Well, hello again and welcome in wherever you are today and wherever you're listening from. I'm so happy to have you over to feast upon God's Word together. Get your plate ready today and take a seat. It's the 44, which is Matthew 4, 4. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's eat. I'm your host, Jed Yancey, from the Central Church of Christ in Ocala, Florida, and continuing in our last few episodes of pulling a takeaway from the Hebrew letter and expounding upon it a little through our 44. I want to talk to you today about a little problem I have. Uh, It's a problem that I would say most men have, but certainly not something that's limited only to males. Uh, It's also quite the problem in little kids, my son Nash, (laughs) in the relationship that they have, our kids, with their mother and father, their parents. And and I got to say that I I sure hope I'm, I'm not jumping into this episode with me being the only one that has an issue with this, but here we go anyways. The problem is seeking help. You see, so much of Hebrews chapter 2 and what we read is the argument of Jesus is better than the angels. And, and the writer makes quite the argument in there, but it's almost like he anticipates that the recipients of this letter might still have a question about something. And that something is, okay, well, if Jesus is better than the angels, then why did he come here in the flesh and make himself lower than the angels? They were really struggling with that. And the easy answer to this would be that he did it for you, and he did it for me, and he did it for us, which he did. But that would make for too short of an episode, which really from reading the rest of Hebrews 2, it wasn't enough just to say that either. So you see in this chapter 2 of Hebrews, the writer answers this question by saying he did it for several reasons. Number one, to taste death for everyone. Basically, he tasted death to give you life. He also did it to bring you to glory. He did it to free you. He did it to to make propitiation for the sins of us. And surprise, surprise, verses 16 and verse 18 of that chapter, to help you. And even a step farther than that, verse 18 reads that he himself was tempted And that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid or come to the help of those who are tempted. So I got to ask here, do you believe that? I mean, have you experienced that help and that aid? Uh, Hopefully you're answering yes or nodding your head yes. And, And man, as I think back on my life, the things I've been through, it's truly incredible just how much aid and how much help he has given me. And yet, even thinking on the very help and the aid that he has given me, and the many times he's rescued me and, and lifted me up and set my feet on solid ground, still through that, I think on the moments I've not even gone to get that help that is promised. That's sad, isn't it? And if I'm being honest, the moments I've not gone straight to this source of help in him far outweighs the times that I've gone straight to him. And I'm sure you can relate, but it's almost like I or or we wait until it's really, really bad before I tap him on the shoulder and, and I swallow my pride and my stubborn nature and I say, Lord, 
Please help. It's a problem, isn't it? Well, why is it a problem? Why do I do that? Why do we? Is it my pride? Is it because I'm stubborn? Is it because I doubt the very things he said he is able to do? And oh yeah, he does it every time. (laughs) So what is it really? I mean, I don't know if I can answer that for you, but I know that for men that oftentimes it is a matter of pride because I, we, men, we can fix it and I can do it and I got this and I don't need him and I can handle it myself. But can I give you a little heads up before I go any farther? Just in case you didn't know it already, we can't do it. We do need him. I can't fix it all. I can't do it all without him. And that sounds so fundamental and elementary that sometimes we pass it by. But but would you for just a second consider the fact that he left that perfect position to come here and to do all that he did? Why? For me. To help me. To give me aid. Now, rather than give you a biblical story today, I want to do something a little different. As I'm sure you noticed the title of today's episode and and thought, man, what in the world? Um, Who got a hold of Jed's uh, keyboard? I can can see you all wondering. Maybe maybe you thought my two-year-old Nash got a hold of the keyboard and messed up the title. But let me assure you that this is no typo and that the first word here is epilambonami. This is the word used in the Greek here in verse 16 of Hebrews 2. And while we've translated this word to mean help or to give help, the more appropriate definition is to take hold of, to overtake, or or get this, to seize upon anything with the hands. Now, this is a pretty cool word in this context because most of the cases where we see this word is used, it's in a quite literal sense, like in Acts, for example, Barnabas epilambotami, or takes hold of Paul and brings him to the apostles. Same word, epilambotami, is used when Paul and Silas are seized in Acts 16. Same word in Acts 18, they take hold of Sosthenes. Acts 21, they take hold of Paul and drag him out of the temple, literally put their hands on him. And as you take that and that knowledge and you run back to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 16, the writer tells those people that he does not epilambotami the angels, but he does epilambotami us. And I think that is exactly where our problem is in regards to the word that we use that is help. We see that word as something else in regards to our relationship with him. But the idea here is that he literally came here and he took hold of, he seized it, all my junk. He grabbed it up with his own two hands, took all the stuff and said, Jed, you give it to me. I'll take it. And not just take it, take it, but I will then give you rest from it. How cool is that? And you know what's so sad is how I started this episode, that I pass on or at times refuse to take him up on that very promise 
uh, to come to him. When, I, when I'm tired and I'm weary and I'm worn out, and I got all this junk. Again, not for him just to take it, but for him to give me rest from it. Matthew chapter 11. That is exactly the help I need. You're 44 today. Don't run from the epilumbonomai that he can provide. And as I close here, I want to show you one more thing here because that verse I read earlier in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18, where it says he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted, gives us the same kind of idea and the same concept and, and more or less the same word, but it's not in the Greek. It's not epilumbonomai. The word here is baitheo. And I saved this one for last because while epilumbonomai is cool uh, to think about, baitheo is the kind of help he provides that we need to understand best, as it literally means run to the cry. And this word is used in Matthew chapter 15 with the woman that had the demon-possessed little girl, and she says, Lord, help me, baitheo, and you'll never guess what he does. He runs to her cry. Or Mark chapter 9 and verse 22, demon-possessed little boy, and the dad says, help us, baitheo, and you'll never guess what he does. He runs to his cry. You see, back to our problem with the word help, the issue is not whether or not he will grab hold of all these big, heavy bags that I carry around. And the issue is not whether he will run to my cry. He's already proven he will and promised that he will. The, the problem is I don't go there first and I don't ask. My challenge for us today, because this is big for me, and not just today, but for always moving forward, is, is to ask and to pray and to go there first and allow Him to help in the way that looks like these two words, baitheo and epilumbonomai. And then you do that and watch what happens next. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. Now, go ask and go pray.